moving into part two of doing God's business, God's way at Mission Road Bible Church. Uh, let's pray though, and then we'll jump into it. Father, thank you for this opportunity to really kind of pull the car over in some ways and stop to think. Uh, who are we? Why do we do what we do? How do we bring all of this back to who you are and who you have showed yourself to be and what you have said to us? So, Lord, as we consider these things, I just beg of you that you'd help us to be, that you would cause this to be helpful, fruitful. Lord, that you would keep us as a church body anchored, that you would keep us dependent upon you and upon your ways and upon your strength and your effectiveness and that in the midst of that, all those things would also cause us to be thankful and to give you glory and to give you your due and to always, always remember to give you praise. You are worthy of that. We ask for your blessing now on this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I appreciated Myrell's introduction last week, and you know, he really brought us back to, um, to the mission statement, which is helpful because we say it enough that we ought to make sure we know <laughs> what we're saying and why and how it actually has bearing on our lives, right? Because we don't want to just kind of say it from tradition or from rote, but we want to understand the point and uh, the purpose. You know, but again, we, we understand and we say time and time again the fact that we exist to magnify God and to spread a passion for His glory. How? Well, by making disciples and shepherding them to value Jesus Christ uh, in, in relation to everything else. Well, above all else, in which areas of life, in every dimension of life. And then what's our rule for that as regulated by the Word of God. And we talked last time, uh, Pastor Myrell did, about just understanding the right terms of what is a disciple, right? A disciple is a, a follower. A disciple is a, a learner of Christ. When he called the disciples, he wasn't calling someone who was already certain, you know, had a certain qualification. He wasn't calling somebody who had shown themselves necessarily to be a certain thing. He was just saying, hey, come follow me. Be my disciple, which means you learn from me. You walk with me and you learn from me. That's what a disciple is. Uh, and then discipleship, okay, these, this and discipling can sometimes get a little bit confusing, but it's helpful to have the nomenclature straighten our thinking. Discipleship is our own following of Christ, Okay, so this, this really, this is important. This is a state of being, right? A believer is a disciple, and he is in discipleship. Okay, so you can be a, a, um, you can be a, a good disciple, or you can be a bad disciple. You can be a growing disciple, or you can be a degrading disciple, but if you're a believer, you are in discipleship. It's not a matter of, you know, I want to pursue that because I don't have it. If you're a believer, you're, you're in it. And so it's just a matter of whether you're avidly pursuing it, whether you're, you're engaged fully in that process and in that growth, or perhaps it's just kind of shriveling away. And then discipling, as 
we were instructed last time, is deliberately doing spiritual good to someone so that he or she will be more like Christ. And so an overview of discipleship as we went over last time, again, uh, remembering those, those crucial tools of the Word of God and the Spirit of God in the midst of all this are so, so crucial. And I'm thankful for the leadership team here that that we drive ourselves back to that, to realize that we can't, we can't accomplish anything by gimmicks and we can't accomplish anything by our own wisdom. We can't accomplish anything by, by certain tactics or approaches or 10-step you know, this or anything like that. But it's, it's like a, how, how do we go back and find ourselves rooted in God's Word and dependent upon the Spirit of God to make all that effective? But in that, in this, this discipleship idea is that calling... Again, last week, disciples are called by the word. And this is what, in our mission statement, is the make disciples part. And we're going to hear a lot more on this next week uh, about what that actually looks like. But again, we make disciples remembering it's the word of God and the spirit of God. And then it's the, 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 the process of conformity, that disciples conform to the word. And this is what we think of as sanctification. Right, the process of being conformed to the word, to the image of Christ. Continuance, perseverance as disciples continue in the word. You know, maybe we think often about, um, well, perseverance in the sense of, well, not, not falling away into, um, into apostasy or something like that. But I just want to remind you real quick of what Jesus' own words at the end of the... Um, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount are in, uh, in Matthew 7, verse 24. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Okay, so th- these words of Christ, the teachings of Christ, which can easily be expanded out into just the word of God, the revelation of God as a whole. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And so perseverance, right, the word of God, the teachings of God, the, the will of God is crucial for even perseverance, not just to avoid apostasy, but to endure the, the, the beating of the, of the weather of life as it comes at us as disciples, Trials, temptations, how do you endure? You endure by hearing the words of Christ and founding your life upon them, acting upon them. And that's continuance. And then completion. The word of God is the tool that the Lord uses to bring us to full maturity and the completion of our salvation. And so this really is what we're talking about. This process of discipleship, of being a disciple, and of discipling others. And the, there, are, uh, there are expressions of this in the life of our church. Okay, and one of the questions then is just where do these points of what we just talked about take place? Today, I get to highlight one of our core philosophies at Mission Road Bible Church, which is this. You... As believers, you individually have that ministry, that word-centered, spirit-dependent ministry with one another. Ephesians 4, which we're all now well familiar with, Ephesians 4 says, pastors, elders, we equip, 
so that you can do the work of the ministry, which is great because then that gives us the rest of the time off. You know, we just kind of say some things and, no, I'm kidding. We equip and you minister. We all minister together because we're all part of Christ's body. See, you are the church, right? The building, this is a, a building where we gather as the church, but you, brothers and sisters, you are the church. And so the dozens, the dozens of one another commands that we see in Scripture are addressed not just to us as elders, not just to us as pastors, or, or just to the vastly mature amongst us, but it's, it's to every single one of you as the members of the church. They're addressed to each disciple, to each follower of Christ. As Pastor Rick would say, they're addressed to y'all, right? Stuart Scott has a book called 31 Ways to Be a One Another Christian. If you wonder what, what this looks like, what this, um, what this might flesh out like in your life, uh, pick up that book. Read one a day and you'll, you'll be blown away at the ministry that God has for each of you in the midst of life together as a church family. But we think about this as, as it says in 1 Peter 4, 7 to 10. Peter writes this in chapter 4, verse 7. It says, the end of all things is near. Whoa. That's quite the, the setting. That's quite the, the, the beginning to the sentence. And he says, in light of that, he says, the end of all things is near. In light of that, therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Ooh, tell us more, Peter. The end of all things is near. So what? And then he says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another, y'all, without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold, the variegated, the multifaceted grace of God. Wow. The end of all things is near. So love one another, be hospitable one another, be devoted to prayer, and use your gifts for one another. This is, this, is the, this is the intensity and the sobriety with which we're supposed to consider our roles in the church. And so when we say we exist in our mission statement, and then later on it says making disciples and shepherding them, I don't know, maybe sometimes it's easy to think, okay, shepherding equals pastors and elders. Well, no. Y'all are saying we exist, right? And so it's important to remember that we corporately exist to make disciples and to shepherd them. And that is a word-centered, spirit-dependent ministry that we're all engaged in. You say it because it's your role too. All right, and so this happens, this is what I'm going to talk about this morning, is that this happens in a variety of venues in the life of our church uh, one of the venues are, are the, the various groups at Mission Road, okay? And one of the, one of the groups, um, which is kind of a, a focal point of ministry at Mission Road, are our care groups. And because it's a focal point and because some of you may, not, uh, you may be newer to the church and may not know this, we, we have a little statement online. And so I'm just going to read some of this statement that's online about our care groups. And I will probably digress and parenthesize and... We'll see what happens, okay? 
But here, here, here is why we do care groups, and here is what we expect out of care groups in light of what I just said about the one another ministry that is God's charge to each of you as people who exist to make disciples and shepherd them for the glory of God. So it says this, what is a care group? Oh man, it starts out our mission statement at Mission Road Bible Church is that we exist to magnify God. You know that part. But uh, okay, care groups are a primary method chosen for carrying out the shepherding aspect of this statement. All right? As such, a care group at Mission Road Bible Church is a small group of our church body who interact on a regular basis for the sake of fellowship. Parentheses, that's a whole other sermon right there in terms of what is fellowship and what is not fellowship and what is fellowship based upon and what is it comprised of. They interact on a regular basis for the sake of fellowship and the corporate, together, pursuit of sanctification. The elders, care group leaders, and indeed every member of the church are called to be involved in this co-shepherding process. Jesus Christ, who designed it as a primary means of growing in grace, that co-shepherding process, he has put this process into place and intends for it to be a top priority for his redeemed people. And we heard that in 1 Peter, right? Where Peter's like, hey, the end of all things is near. So love one another. Serve one another. It's because it's a top priority. And our goal is that as you all are involved in care groups, that it's not, a, it's, not just a, it's not just a club to hang out in. It's not just a place to eat some good food. And you can find some really good food at care groups. But it's not just about that. It's about co-shepherding, which is a process that is dependent upon the truth of God and the Spirit of God. And so why does a care group exist? Well, the core reason care groups exist at Mission Road is the understanding that the corporate gathering on Sunday can be a difficult time to develop relationships characterized by biblical fellowship and discipleship. And we get that. Due to the size of Sunday services, depth of relationship is difficult to attain only in that context. And thus, all are also encouraged to be involved with smaller segments of the church body, care groups. These groups are designed to be a relational network focused on applying scriptural truths to one another's lives. Such truths can be gleaned from a study of a biblical passage. Generally, we review the Sunday sermon or possibly a book the group is reading through. And so as such, relationships are built within the meeting context to encourage open an honest conversation about the struggles and triumphs being experienced by individual members and how God's word impacts those experiences. And that's one, of the, that's one of the crucial factors right there. Anybody can sit down and just talk and share. This joy, this sorrow, this struggle, this Victory, and yet to, to bring those things and to, and to integrate them and to say, well, how does this push us back to God? How does this, uh, how does this intersect with God's word? By the spirit of God, that's where ministry happens. And that's what you all are involved in. And these relationships and conversations facilitate the practice of the many scriptural one another's. 
also serving as a springboard into the deeper levels of accountability and discipleship relationships. And so the intended result is for care group members to have opportunities to encourage, exhort, teach, help, bear with, uh, bear with pray for, rebuke, and love one another through all the shared experiences. That's quite a bit, quite a bit more than just sort of an every other week hangout time. Listen to that sentence again. The intended result is for group members to have opportunities to encourage, exhort, teach, help, bear with, pray for, rebuke, and love one another through all the shared experiences. See, that's the, that's the ministry that God calls each one of us to. As a member of the church body, and we, we firmly believe that we must have truth-centered relationships with one another, not just from the pulpit out to the chairs, but from chair to chair. Okay, and so the, 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 the care groups are designed to help accomplish that. And care groups are, who it says, who can join a care group? Well, care groups are open to anyone associated with Mission Road and out of high school. Church members have the greatest priority of care and involvement, but regular attenders and visitors to Mission Road, as well as unbelievers from outside the church, are welcome to attend. This allows the experience of biblical fellowship to be had or witnessed by all, which is a great testimony of the work of Jesus Christ in our church. And that, that's a, a change that we actually made a few, uh, a couple years ago, as far as opening it to even... Uh, non-members and then even also just unbelievers. Um, the reason being that we see the love of Christ expressed most intimately amongst one another when we're, when we're carrying out those one another relationships, which is on display in a care group in a unique way. And so Jesus says, look, they'll know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another, and so really, one of our greatest evangelistic tools is to say, hey, you should watch what Christ has done in the lives of these diverse people who otherwise would not be necessarily spending time together and loving on one another in such a unique way. But this is the kind of amazing stuff that Jesus does. And so that's why we made that change uh, and allowed for uh, non-members and also even just unbelievers to come and visit. So the encouragement is for all group members to move towards membership in the church as well, since ultimately we're all one church body, and for the believer, attendance at Mission Road on Sundays is necessary for ongoing participation in care groups, and those associated with other churches are asked to connect with their own church and not at Mission Road um, care groups. So hopefully that helps you even just understand the goal of Mission Road Bible Church care groups, which uh, we have 25 of them right now. We're, we're, we're closing in on starting another three, which would be 28 groups, and it's, uh, it's uh, pushing like 350 people involved in those things. And we don't want 25 groups and 350 people just kind of hanging out on every other Sunday, enjoying good food and, 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 and just sharing experiences. We want that to be sharing experiences as a, as a springboard into the ministry of the word amongst your relationships. Okay, and so as such, there's even a difference sometimes in those group contexts between serving and discipling. 
Now remember, discipling was the, uh, where'd that go? Deliberately doing spiritual good to someone so that he or she will be more like Christ. Okay? Care groups are fabulous arenas for service. Uh, taking somebody a meal, visiting somebody in the hospital, helping somebody with yard work, caring for somebody's kids when they're in a, a point of need, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those, those, those things, of, those opportunities to do good in that sort of a way, though, are, are areas of serving, and, and those are acts of worship, and those are acts of, of body fellowship, but they're not necessarily doing spiritual good for the sake of somebody else being more sanctified, per se. And so it's important that none of us allow ourselves to, to escape from having word-centered conversations and influences Simply by saying that, well, I do something or I serve in a particular way. Because we're all called to exhort. We're all called to rebuke. We're all called to encourage and to serve. But this word-centered ministry needs to be at the, at, the, at the core of who we are as a church. Not that every conversation has to be a sermon. Fully on board with that. But isn't this what Moses instructed the, the, the Israelites to do a little bit in terms of just the, the great parenting charge in Deuteronomy? He didn't say, hey, preach to your kids 24 hours a day. He just said, look, as you're going, as you're, as you're standing, as you're walking, as you're going by the way, like, be able to instruct be able to say, hey, life, uh, God, they intersect. Uh, life circumstance, faith, what has God said? Let's consider that. And that's, and that's word-centered ministry to say this sorrow connects to, 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 to God's word in this way. This joy, this victory should be reflected upon in light of God's word in such and such a way. And so there's a difference between serving and discipling in those ways that it's important that you, if you're part of a care group especially, that you just really uh, try to get a hold of it and, and discipline yourself to say, I walk with joy and I walk with intimacy and just enjoyment with one another, but I also walk with the goal of doing spiritual good by encouraging people to be word-centered to be reflective upon the word, to be dependent upon the spirit. And none of us are exempt from that, y'all. We also have other groups like Bible studies. And again, uh, Bible studies are, are uh, we, have, we have a number of ladies' Bible studies. We have one of the men's Bible studies. And those are great opportunities both for your own discipleship, right, your own growth, but again, also for the process of discipling, of considering how as we're reflecting upon God's word, how do I then take that truth and do spiritual good to those around me by encouraging, uh, exhorting, um, reproving, rebuking, or whatever else a person might need in light of the truth that's being discussed in the Bible studies. Same thing about book studies. It can be easy sometimes to just sort of talk about knowledge. You know, ooh, this book taught me this. And this, and this, and I grow in knowledge, and that's great. But then helping others apply it to say, here's this knowledge of God's word. Let's reflect upon what the Spirit would have us to do with it. 
There's discipleship groups. We have uh, a variety of, of mom's groups and, and, a, and a dad's group right now that is even just saying, how do we live life and the roles that God has given us in light of scriptural principles? And those are great things. Not just to sit around and say, whoa, being a mom is hard work. And it is. And not just to say, whoa, I'm so tired, and it can be. But to say, okay, as a mom or as a dad, in the midst of all these circumstances that we find ourselves in, well, let's consider then God's word and bring them together and dependently upon the spirit move forward with those joined hand and glove. Right? And that, that's our program that's our ministry. Yeah, we're not going to get much more gimmicky than that. We say life, and we say God's word. We want you in your conversations with one another to say life, God's word, power of the spirit, stick them together, and go forward. That's a whole class right there. It's pretty awesome. And it's something that we're all called to. And you know, where, you, know where, you know where those things get really hard is when we're resistant to that connection. Right? I've talked to people and I've been like, okay, life. Yes, yes, that's happening. God's word. Yeah, I get it. And then there's like, there's like the, you got the, the opposite sides of the magnet that they just will not be willing to put them together. And to see, like, you don't just look at life and then you don't just look separately from God's word and say, huh, that's how it goes. No, God calls us to help one another in bringing them together and then moving forward by the filling of the Spirit and according to that. All right, so encouragement, help, reproof, prayer, correction, these are all manners of spiritual good that are done in these groups. But it needs to be done according to the principles laid last week. That spiritual good is only done by the power of the word and the spirit of God as he wields it. But oh, so often we are the vehicles that carry it. So be, be aware. The spirit of, the, of God is, is the one who makes the word effective. But you can't use that to say, ah, God will just do it to that person. Because God says to you, bear that word to one another. And then the Spirit moves through that and works wonders in life. Unless we... Are, are, are opposite pole magnets that repel. But do you have to wait for the every other week care group meeting time to have this word-centered ministry? No, no. You can even do it one-on-one. You can even do it after Sunday school. You can even do it after Sunday sermon. Did you know that after the Sunday sermon... You don't have to start talking about lunch right away. My kids think you do, but we don't. We can immediately start to say, wow, think about God's word. And this is what, this is what care group meetings are supposed to do. Wow, think about God's word. And then individually say, man, how, how are you going to live that out? 
hey, what was challenging to you as you thought about the truth that was being preached? What was encouraging to you? Those kind of questions should not be like, man, you are just way too intense. Get away from me. We shouldn't respond that way. We should just say, hey, this is word-centered ministry. Yeah, let's engage. Let's go. Because we want to spur one another on in those walks and in those responses. And this is, again, the, this is again the thing, like, okay, let's say we're talking in the foyer after the sermon and the service is done and we're talking about life and we're talking about job and we're talking about, oh, this health problem. We're talking, um, I mean, okay, you, you can practice on me. I've been having this, uh, and I turned 40 and so now this starts happening. I've been having this lower back problem for like the last couple weeks. If I'm talking to you about that, don't just be like, yeah, lower back problems stink. Ask, hey, so what's the Lord teaching you through that? Or ask, hey, when you, when you get so frustrated by, by the issue that has popped up again, how do you remind yourself to go to God? You see, suddenly, ooh, <laughs> word of God, faith, life circumstance, even lower back issues, intersect. Vacations. We're talking about summer vacations. Great. Florida sounds great. Jamaica sounds great. St. Louis sounds great. Whatever. How, how are you going to maximize that for your spiritual good and for the good of your family? Again, if somebody does that, don't be like, get away from me, Mr. Intensity. Because this is, this is, this is y'all ministry. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Okay? And it can happen one-on-one. -on -one. It can happen after the sermon. It can happen while you're walking back and forth. It can happen while you're having coffee together. It can happen while you're having a meal together. I happen to think spiritual conversations happen best with a beverage, beverage or food in front of you. But uh, they, just, they just help a lot. It can be with a person that you meet with every week. Or it can be with a person you haven't talked to in, in several weeks, and yet you just happen to have a conversation, and you orient it towards God, and you seek to do good to one another. Now, there's some important skills for discipling, all right? Again, discipling, doing spiritual good so that the other person ends up looking more like Christ. Listening. Listening is, a, is an important skill. And there's skin-deep listening, like when somebody's talking about, okay, the lower back, and you're like, okay, yeah, what happened? Well, I was trying to move a refrigerator, and okay, yeah, great circumstance. So how did they respond? Okay, this happens. They did this. What was the context? Well, okay, so that's all skin deep, right? You're just, you're just listening. This is, this is the, the circumstance, and this is what happened. But then you also have to listen for heart deep points. Why did such and such happen? What was, what was kind of the, the, your, your state of being? And you hear how there are questions that even come to this. But what was the person's state of being when that happened? Okay, when that difficult situation at work happened, how were they doing before, after, during? How did they feel in the midst of it? You, got, you have to listen. Why? So that you can actually bring God's word to bear uh, upon their heart and not just sort of say, oh man, sorry you got fired. Hey, God's sovereign, so it's, yeah, that's not really helpful, right? Okay, so there, there's, 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 there's intensities and there's, um, there's nuances and there's just the need to remember that God cares about our hearts 
in the midst of life and in the midst of circumstances, and we have to engage God's word with those things more than just sort of put a Band-Aid onto a circumstance. So we have to listen skin deep, we have to listen heart deep, and then this one's really hard for some of us. We have to listen with shut mouths. Some of us have an answer before somebody has even finished saying, you know, and it may even be a good answer, but it just, you just gotta, you gotta just, just shut your mouth and listen a little bit, okay? This is part of even just bearing with one another in love, is, is engaging a person fully in who they are and what they're going through and how they're doing and then ministering to them. Uh, second skill is uh, asking questions. Proverbs 18.13. So I can get there real quick. It says, Proverbs 18.13 says, He who gives an answer before he hears is folly and shame to him. You got to hear and you got to ask questions so that you hear well. Again, skin deep sort of questions. Hey, what happened? Hey, who did that to you? Hey, how did that come about? But then you have heart deep questions as well. Why did you respond that way? How did that make you feel? Okay, variations of that. What what were you desiring? Before you found out that somebody else got the promotion? What were you desiring before you found out that you were going to have some sort of ongoing health issue? How did you feel when the rain put the kibosh on your golf plans? Men, 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 eye contact. Break the stereotype. Men, we can listen. We can listen well. Men, we can ask questions. And we can ask good questions. Even dudes can do these things. It's not just for the ladies. All right, so learn. Learn. Bite your tongue. Shut your mouth a little bit. Listen. And then ask questions before, <laughs> before we give the fix-it answer. Right? So work on that. Uh, important skills for discipling. Listening, asking questions, and then speaking the truth in love. If you want to look at Ephesians 4 with me, I know we've, we've gone over it um, fairly recently in the sermons, fairly recently being like a year ago now. I know he always listens when we're teaching, and so just kind of stick it in there every once in a while. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. And then just a few verses later in verse 25, he says, therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now that's, that's a really interesting verse that I want to just pause on for a second because I want to... I want to press in on the notion of what is falsehood just for a minute. Now, obviously, the immediate answer is falsehood is lying, right? Lay aside lying. Great. I get that. But I think there's a way in which we can sometimes damagingly deal in falsehood by withholding. By, by withholding truth from someone who needs to hear it. I've been having uh, some conversations about this notion of kind of covering in grace, 
okay, and um, I was talking with another elder, and we were just like, man, we have a very gracious church body. And they, they bear with one another well, and they have long endurance with one another. And there's, this, there's an atmosphere of covering in grace, maybe people's weaknesses, maybe even people's sins, and there is a time for that. But there is also a time where that can actually, I think, veer into the realm of falsehood where you withhold truth to somebody's detriment. Because you see, when we're, when we're seeking to do somebody's spiritual good with truth in speech, sometimes we have to bring biblical truth to bear in times of rebu rebuke and reproof as well as in encouragement and exhortation. We can't always just say, well, I'll just bear with it. I'll just overlook that. I'll just kind of endure that for a little bit more. We have to be willing to engage one another in hard conversations motivated by their spiritual good. And it's vital. I mean, think about it. If somebody's, if you're walking with somebody, uh, let's say it's the summertime and you're walking them barefoot and they're like, man, this walk is painful. And you look down and they've got a thorn sticking out of their foot. You're just like, yeah, it's a hard walk, isn't it? Uh, I just, I, this is what, I, thought, I thought this walk was supposed to be enjoyable. I mean, the sun's shining, but I'm just not having a good time. And the blood is dripping out of their foot, and you go, yeah, it's a hard walk. Yeah, that's what we do sometimes spiritually. Somebody is being crippled by a struggle or by a sin or by a weakness, and we don't have the spiritual chutzpah to go up and to have a truth conversation with them to say, brother, I love you so much that I am going to say you've got a thorn in your foot, and that's why your walk is not enjoyable. And so sometimes we have to lay aside those types of falsehoods as well in these types of conversations. But man, you cannot do that if you're not listening well. And if you're not asking good questions, but then, oh, the joy, the, the, the wonder of being able to help somebody pull that thorn out and watch healing. It's amazing. We have a, we have a, a biblical soul care class that is just wrapping up, and I think we'll be doing it again in the fall. It's a very useful resource for just kind of growing in some of these skills, these understandings of how do I do this? But this is, this is the elder's greatest desire. See, again, God calls us in our role as elders and pastors to equip. We're not the only ones that bring truth to bear in one another's lives. We can't be. I mean, think about it. Think about all the contexts and all the situations and all the nuances that are present in this room. The elders can't know everything. We can't dig into everything. We're available for each and every one of you. A phone call, a text away. But God calls you all to do this. To know one another, to listen to one another, to care for one another, to speak truth to one another. And to do that in groups, in care groups, in Bible studies, in your, in your coffee conversations out there, in your coffee conversations at the shop, in your meals together, and just... Men, even when you're hunting, to have good conversations and to do spiritual good to one another because we equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And even our overarching care group structure reflects this. 
See, we have care group leaders, and generally the elders try not to be care group leaders. Again, we have 28, 25 going on 28 care groups, and our goal is as elders to, to oversee the groups and to invest in the care group leaders so that they can then invest in the people and do that co-shepherding well that is at the, at the, at the heart of the one anothering ministry that we try to do. And how, how do we do it? Well, we have to remember Jesus' words. The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. If you wonder, ah, I just, it never seems to come. Some of it can just be know-how. Some of it can just be practice, getting over some of that initial awkwardness of, all right, brother, let's talk about the Bible. But it's also just a matter of, look, if, if, if Jesus and his will and his ways and his word are, are filling your heart, it's, it's very similar to the, the be filled with the Spirit and then, and then the songs happen, right? The word is in your heart and you speak it to one another as you're engaging and interacting about life and job and vacations and health and parenting and uh, roommates and, and school and all of that, right? Because nothing falls outside of the influence of God and his word. And so if you feel a little bit anemic in that, then dive harder into God's word. Dive harder into God's word in such a way that you come out of that time thinking, how does this have bearing on life? My own life and the lives of my brothers and sisters around me. Because if your heart is full of God's word, then you'll be able to speak it and others will be affected in spiritually positive ways. And that's what we want. And that is one of our core ministry principles and pillars here at Mission Road. That we want you all to bring the word of God to bear by the spirit of God's power in one another's life, lives for, for the spiritual good of each other. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for just everything that is at stake in this. You've given us eternal souls to co-shepherd in one another as we pursue together the sanctification without which no one will see God. So give us grace to do that. Father, may your spirit inspire us and remind us to be regularly in your word, to be regularly meditating on your word so that that would come out of our mouths and out of our speech with our kids, with our spouses, with our roommates, with our friends, with our family, with our brothers and sisters here at the church. God, you, you don't need us. You, you, you have all power and you have no lack. And yet you've called us to this. So please be gracious. I know you... You are so patient with our weaknesses. And so remind us regularly, please, by your word and by your spirit, to, to engage in this kind of a ministry together for the good of the church and for the glory of your name and the spread of your gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.